Good morning. Welcome to Axios today. It's Friday, March 26th. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's how we're making you smarter today. All the votes have been counted in Israel's election, plus our country's history with Asian American discrimination. We start with today's one big thing, President Biden's first news conference. We will, by my 100th day in office, have administered 200 million shots. The idea that I'm going to say, which I would never do, that if an unaccompanied child ends up at the border, we're just going to let him starve to death and stay on the other side. No previous administration did that either, except Trump. Successful presidents, better than me, have been successful in large part because they know how to time what they're doing. President Joe Biden yesterday. Margaret Talib is Axios' White House and Politics Managing Editor. Margaret, how did President Biden do? What's your big takeaway? I mean, we really had the first chance to see how he wants the public to understand how he thinks about leadership as president. He talked about a politics being about the art of the possible. I think he gave us quite a lens through which to view his decision-making in the weeks to come as he figures out when to roll out executive orders on guns, whether to try to break the filibuster. All these issues, he's given us a playbook of how he thinks about them. One of the major issues was immigration. Did he clarify where the administration stands on the border crisis? Yeah, it was the toughest area for him, and they knew it would be. He really wanted to talk about COVID. You can see why, understandably, he's had a lot of successes on it. These are huge problems for him, and he described them as chronic or long-term problems, tried to put them in the context of things every other president has faced, including his most immediate predecessor. He kind of tried to ridicule or diminish the idea that more people are trying to cross the border or send their children alone to cross the border because they think he's a nice guy. But the truth is that he did make an about-face from President President Trump's policies of turning back unaccompanied minors. He did not issue that much clarity on how he's going to solve this, but he did promise to make many changes in short order and suggested that if overcrowding at shelters and facilities doesn't ease, that there would be some personnel changes inside his administration to follow. Margaret, what wasn't talked about? COVID's the area that we ironically heard the least about. And in part, it's because President Biden's been successful in terms of getting vaccines into arms and in terms of getting stimulus money into the economy. But so many questions on COVID that got overshadowed by what's going on at the border, what's going on with gun violence. The other areas that I think we didn't hear about really are foreign policy. We heard a bit about China and a bit about North Korea. But Russia, the Middle East, Iran, next steps on a lot of those fronts. I'd be very curious to hear more about. They just ran out of time before those questions could get asked. We're also out of time. Margaret Alavisexius is White House and Politics Managing Editor. Thanks, Margaret. Thanks, Nyla. In 15 seconds, an update on the latest in Israeli elections. Welcome back to Axios Today. All the votes have been counted in Israel's election, and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's right-wing bloc is just short of a 61-seat majority in the Israeli Knesset. Barack Ravid writes the Axios from Tel Aviv newsletter. Barack, I just have one question here. Will Benjamin Netanyahu remain prime minister? This is the fourth consecutive election that Netanyahu did not have a majority to form a right-wing government. And this time it is clear that he has very little chance to form a government while his opponents 
actually do have a chance. What they need to do, if they want to do it, is to put their ego aside and find a solution that brings all of them together to form a coalition without Netanyahu. Barack Ravid writes to Axios from Tel Aviv Newsletter. Thanks, Barack. Thank you. Last week's mass killings at three Atlanta-area spas brought hate crimes against Asian Americans into painful focus. Today, organizers have called for a Stop Asian Hate Virtual Action Day. Why today? Because it was March 26, 1790, that the U.S. enacted its first citizenship law for free white people only. That's just one moment in America's history of discrimination and violence. University of California Riverside professor Karthik Ramakrishnan teaches about this when it comes to Asian Americans. Karthik, welcome back to Axios Today. Hi, happy to be back. Thank you for having me. Karthik, many people know about the internment camps of World War II, but can you share with us three other important moments when it comes to Asian Americans and American history? Seven years before the 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act, you had the 1875 Page Act. This was an act that specifically targeted and restricted, banned the entry of Asian women from entering the United States. They were portrayed as prostitutes and therefore needing regulation. Now, the real reason why many of them were coming over is to join the men that were here working on the railroad, working in mines. But that that didn't matter. The Page Act is that first national act. By 1917, what you had was this constantly expanding definition of who was excluded from coming to the United States. So in 1917, you had the creation of the so-called Asiatic Barred Zone. And it was fairly arbitrary. The exclusion started in Korea and China. Japan was not an area of exclusion because we wanted to maintain good diplomatic relations. So we had what was called a gentleman's agreement with Japan that was passed in 1907 that essentially meant that Japan would discourage uh, people from emigrating to the United States. But there was not an outright ban on Japan yet. That would happen in 1924. So that's really important in that second period to pay attention to. The third period I'd like to flag, and in many ways it it previews what we're confronting now with the, the mass murders in Atlanta, is the mass killing in Oak Creek, Wisconsin in 2012. Obama was president, and there was a mass killing in a, in a Sikh temple in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, that shocked the conscience of the nation, but it didn't have the same kind of staying power, it seems, as Atlanta does today. And that's something that's important to pay attention to, is that we should have that expansive notion of who is Asian American and what are these violent acts. The reason why I point to Oak Creek is it's part and parcel of the contemporary uptick in mass killings. It has as much to do with the rise of xenophobia and white nationalism after 9-11 as it does with are lax regulation of guns, including semi-automatic weapons that, that are used in many of these killings. I think what you're also seeing in many of these cases is a kind of dehumanization. And that's been the common thread of Asians in America from the beginning. No matter how successful they might be economically, there is this notion of the perpetual foreigner, right? 
that they're never one of us. Karthik Ramakrishnan is a professor at University of California at Riverside and the author, most recently, of Citizenship Reimagined. Before we go, two quick corrections from things said earlier this week. On Monday, we talked about taxes and provided incorrect information about California and stimulus benefits. Felix Salmon said California was taxing unemployment benefits, but meant to say California is taxing forgiven PPP loans. Thanks to our listener Maria for pointing that out. And from our Jalen Rose conversation on Tuesday, there are actually seven black coaches in the NBA right now, not four. That's it for us this week. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're produced by Justin Kaufman, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, Amy Padula, and Alice Wilder. Our mix engineer is Alex Sugiara. Tim Bobkoff is our executive producer, and Sarah K. Lenigu is our executive editor. Special thanks to Axios co-founder Mike Allen. At Pushkin, our executive producers are Tal Malad and Jacob Weisberg. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and I hope you enjoy your weekend.